Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Today we'll be talking about lots, post-pandemic hope, threesomes, hot tubs, sex parties, touch starvation, and lots more. My friend Robin Beach talks about Black Noir, a history of Black folks in movies and film, and of course is also the host of Sex with Robin on BFM 109.6 every Monday at 10am. You can also look at her stuff at sexwithrobin.com. One last thing she mentions is the similarities between pregnancy and BDSM. Whoa, 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 whoa. She's the one making the comparison, don't at me. Actually, if you want to at me, go for it. Intimate interaction social media is pretty lonely right now. I'm starting to think I'm just old and really bad at using social media. Also, I need to create a community Facebook group. I made a Facebook page, and I think I thought it was like a Facebook group at one point, and then realized very slowly that I was completely mistaken. But I mean, hey, at least I made us a Discord server, right? Go at each other. Um, and also, we're available at facebook.com slash group slash intimate interactions. And you should uh, find a link there for our Discord server if you want to get involved with that. So go have fun. Talk about all the things. Talk about intimacy. Learn all the things. at each other. <laughs> also, enjoy the session. Uh, I remember when I was a kid looking at all the complexes that were like you know, must be whatever, like they're either 19 plus or they're like 35 plus. And then they would say no children. And I'd be like, God, those people must be miserable. They're like old and like, they don't have any kids. Now looking back, I'm like, oh man, kids don't get it. I'm like, no, we're the much, (laughs) not to, not to throw shade at parents. I'm with you. No, I'm with you. Um, I wouldn't want to live near kids either. (laughs) Except Um. yours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and yeah, I know it is It is less than 55. So I think my mom moved there, there in her late 40s. But anyways, um, yeah. And it's actually, it's interesting because they, the people in my mom's, she has an apartment, the people in her complex complain mm-hmm. about like her kid, her grandkids coming over and having sleepovers and stuff. And I'm like, but isn't everyone here like a grandparent? But apparently no one really visits them. <laughs> I was like, mom, does nobody else have grandkids that come over? And she's like, I don't think so. I think the only one that have my grandkids over on a, you know, fairly regular sure. basis, like on weekends. Thank you, mom, for watching my kids. And she's like, thank you for visiting me. I don't think anyone here gets visited. <laughs> Anyways, everyone knows, everyone in her building knows me and they all pray for me. <laughs> Everyone in Abbotsford knows me and they all pray for me whenever I see them. I'm like, thanks. That's great. Yeah. You continue praying. If it makes you feel better, you just pray for Jesus to save my soul and I'll keep praying that girl at the supermarket notices me. You know, it has been a while since I called out for God, just saying. <laughs> Was it you that called your like little card your sexy card, like after getting vaccinated? Uh, I think so. Yes. When you were like, I didn't get a sexy card. Was that you? I think so, yes. Okay. I remember seeing that. And because when I got my vaccination, I got handed a sticker and then a card and my immediate response in my van. And I was like, oh, a sexy card. And she looked really confused. 
Well, because it's like... And I really hope that she understood as I drove off. Yeah, but she didn't process it and then was like, uh, you know, the other thing, the <laughs> other way to make vaccines seem less scary is to refer to them as slut juice. Slut juice! Because you, you get like, oh. you get your first vaccine and you're like, yeah, just one more shot of slut juice and I'll transform back into a slut again. Yeah, like Cinderella Yeah, not style. that I ever wasn't, but like... I just see the meme of like Cinderella and the dress magically forming on her. Yes, a hundred percent. Or Ariel. <laughs> Ariel's transformation. The one at the end that's more happy. Yes, I suppose that one's more happy. Although based on a very dark opera. Oh, oh. And that's story to Yeah, sell. Verdi's um... that was actually the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Oh yeah. I was just a little just a little tyke. And I and my mom, I don't remember it. I probably blocked it on my mind because my mom said I absolutely loved it. And growing up, it was like my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I saw it in theaters, the part where Ursula grows really big. Yeah, you were like, I'm on. Un- she said, I was like, no, I'm out of here. And she's like, I, you were trying to climb over me to get out of the theater. Oh, you're, nope, 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 like, nope, nope. Yeah, that's a hard nope. I feel like and as like- an adult, I have more appreciation for Ursula. Oh, well, and it wasn't until my adulthood that I learned that she was based off of a drag queen. Yeah, that makes sense. Ursula is based off of a very famous drag queen. And actually, it was, was it, is either, I think it was the producer or the director of a few movies in that time, who is openly a gay man. He was a part of The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. And he specifically, very, very quietly, hush, hush, tried to incorporate queer uh, themes. Sure. And his nod a lot was for Ursula in uh, The Little Mm -hmm. Mermaid. And then for Beauty and the Beast, the Beast was supposed to be kind of a metaphor for being gay. Especially, like, near the end when all of the villagers have no idea what's going on and they're like i don't know what he is we don't understand what he is so we're just going to fear him and then you've got gaston fueling that yeah the you know the actual torches and pitchforks like that was supposed to be intended to be a major metaphor for being sure i can i can see that in hindsight and now i'm trying to remember i think it was jafar and aladdin that he want specifically wanted very hush hush for jafar to have a bit of a gay flair he did have a little bit of that he had that sort of yeah i can i can kind of see that but then again i feel like if someone's like oh this person's actually gay i'm like yeah i can see that cuz i don't have a lot of deep associations with it but they did make jafar just like a little bit prissy yeah and like very and it's it's hard because obviously you don't want to like sure into stereotype issues but um and scar i think was also influenced the same kind of like european villain kind of prissy yeah which i saw a really interesting video on making queer villains yeah on how how that like is intentional but yeah for sure for sure Um, and then i think the other thing that happens a lot with queer characters who aren't villains is they just die like immediately like they can't ever like i don't know whether it's just straights can't write queers that are happy ever but like anytime you're like oh my god it's the cutest gay ship ever dead yes actually oh this was at least five or so years ago but there was a statistic it was 73 percent of queer characters in media were going to be killed off. Just so like, sad. It was approximately it was 73%. You 
It was, which was just below black characters. Oh, that made me sad. (laughs) I was going to say, no, it's okay. I was going to be like, you give me back the 100 seasons two through the final season because they would all be different if you didn't bury your gaze. (laughs) Yes, it's so true. And that's so, so morbid, but so true. Um, Actually, I highly recommend... Because I, I, you, you don't strike me as a horror fan. I am a horror fan. You are. <gasps> Do you have Shudder? I don't, but I have a feeling you're going to recommend Babadook. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> you know the story of Babadook? Oh, that's so funny. I still can't get it. No one will ever get over that. Because it was like, on Netflix under like LGBTQ movies. Like it was where that started. It, it totally it is like... <laughs> an LGBT. Like it totally is a metaphor for being gay. It was. It showed up. Yeah. Under the Netflix LGBTQ plus movies. And it was Bob Glorious. and Everyone's like, what the But anyways, um, no, it's called, it's, it's a Shutter original, which really upsets me because I think it is fucking amazing. Okay, okay. It's. It's a documentary called uh, Black Noir, A History of Black People in Movies or in Film. And it specifically goes over horror films and it goes right from the beginning to like the original black and white King Kong. Oh, geez. To nowadays. And it like literally goes over the different centuries in terms of how black people are represented or uh, involved in the work Mm -hmm. in horror films. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it goes from King Kong to, uh, you know, obvious, like, blackface, bad guy. Yep, yep. That, you know, and then the only black people for a while in movies were mammies. Yep, yep. You know, or, or workers. And, and it kind of, it's really, really fascinating. You, it's This film was made by black people. Right. And it's all interviewing black actors and producers. And you hear a lot of, you know, big names. You got Samuel L. Jackson being like, yeah, I remember, especially in the 80s and 90s, oh, yeah. that was the worst time for black people to die right away. The 70s, it was almost like people had hope because you were, but it was called a lot of like black exploitation. Right, right. Kind of horror movies yeah. where they're like, well, it's a positive thing. It's obviously exploitative, but like. Hey, it's a, a step forward. And then and you got the 80s and 90s where they just die right away. And Samuel Jackson's like, during that time, I would legit, I wouldn't even read the script. I'd immediately count the pages to see how long it takes for my character to die. Right. Brutal. Because it was always, you know, like 10 pages. Oh, I'm dead. Yeah, that sucks. Well, that got dark quickly. Yeah. Anyways, I know. I just, I, oh. I like. I feel like I want to give you my Shutter information just so you can see because it's a wicked documentary that I've watched over and over again and never get sick of. Sure, because it's really, um, especially as someone who is white and not at all a person of color, um, it's really educational. Sure, and I love horror movies, so it has a lot of my interest and all of my wow, like that's so true. And I had no, I honestly didn't know about the whole King Kong thing. I honestly I like had I no idea i i know enough about the history to not want to know more because i think as a person of color it, yeah, i find yeah. it pretty upsetting That's but fair. i'm also a non-black person of color so like for me there is an element of like i really should witness but also like i think it's important to self-care and do what you need to do especially yes, when it comes to like that. survivors of racism because you know it looks different for everyone mm-hmm. and like i don't think yep. we all need to be beholden to each other in yeah. the same way I think it kind of varies based yeah, on. I think spoons. I should. Yeah, yeah, I should say I would recommend it very, especially strongly for white mm-hmm. folks, because there was a lot that I didn't know, 
and there's of course a lot that I don't know that I can never possibly sure, know, sure. but to try to engage and learn is really, I think, important and very eye-opening for me. Yeah. How do you feel about transitioning to a different topic? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. You want to get, you want to just start recording? Yeah, I've been recording. <laughs> I've been recording this whole time. Oh, yeah, yeah. you've been? <laughs> I thought we were just oh. chilling, but I guess that's what we're doing I mean, anyways. that is what we're doing anyways. That's why I was like, let's do a freeform episode. Then I was like, oh, this is much more freeform than I thought it would be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, makes sense because we were talking about all the various different things that are unrelated. Um, I wanted to talk about being, because uh, we were talking about slut juice in the beginning, and I thought that was a really good um, about which? slut juice, like vaccines. Oh, yes, the vaccines. Yeah, I'm open to talking about yeah, that. Yeah, so rather than focusing on vaccines, I want to focus on the slut piece. Do you find that having been over the course of the pandemic that you've changed that you don't feel as motivated to be a slut or do you feel no, more, feel you feel more motivated to go out and sleep with people? Yes. I've, I've even kind of made the joke that muggles during the pandemic are going, Hey, we should remodel our kitchen. Like we've always really wanted to remodel the kitchen. Let's do that. And then folks like me are like, let's get this place ready for sex parties. Oh, Totally. Right. Like since the pandemic, I've been like, okay, I want to, I, I, I installed a hard point, yep. <laughs> you know, I got like, I bought some really nice sheets. We got a hot tub. Like I am ready to, I've been preparing for more sexy times during this pandemic. Cause I just, I, it's, it's, it's painful, like not physically, but emotionally yep. very painful for me to be without. And so the best way for me, I think, to work through it is to focus on looking forward and focus on preparing. And I legit, I already have a list going, <laughs> like a written list of people that I want to like invite or 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 poke about, you know, in, in being involved with sex. Very exciting. I've got, I'm so excited. And so that's, and honestly, that was my motivation for getting vaccinated. Um, and I, we don't necessarily have to go into that whole debate or anything, but because I, I am all for it completely. Uh, but I think it's valid to say it's okay to be nervous about certain yeah. things. I was really nervous about certain side effects because I know a couple of people that felt really, you know, chills and fever and that kind of thing. And I guess my anxiety brain was really worried about that. Mm -hmm. So as I'm in my van and I'm getting poked, usually... I'm the one who watches as they do my blood work or something because I'm a healthcare worker and I, I nitpick. And so in my head, I'll silently judge the blood tech sometimes. <laughs> or in my head, I'll be like, wow, that was a really good poke. Um, as I'm really impressed. Mm -hmm. But this time I was like, I'm not going to watch. I just closed my eyes and I imagined having sex with somebody while I got my shot. That was like my motivation. I was like, I just want to have sex with someone. Yep. I'm already planning uh, within chat there's a threesome that I'm planning. Ooh, so exciting. That I'm really so, so excited about. But of course, we're all waiting to be fully vaccinated. Totally. And so in the meantime, again, it's a matter of looking forward. Mm -hmm. So we're having fun, sexy conversations in our, you know, chat. And that's that's just been my coping mechanism is, is planning and looking forward. Yeah, I'm kind of in a weird spot because my current partner and I, like... 
I have had other partners during our relationship, mm-hmm. but for the last year we've been functionally monogamous. So I'm in this okay. space where I'm like, I want to be 100% supportive and show up 100% to be there for my partner. I also want to start, you know, looking into just future sex, you know, like looking into future partnerships um, and not yeah. because I'm any less interested in my partner, but just because I've been without novelty and without mm-hmm. without the same degree mm-hmm. of touch, honestly. And yeah, over that. like 18 to what will very soon be 24 months, like over the next six months, <sighs> like we're going to be coming up on almost not quite two years, right? Because I guess when did the pandemic start? Third month of 2020? I, mean... I don't know. I think, oh, I know things officially shut down in March because it was spring break for the kids. It's been 16. And that was in March. But I do remember because we did Taste of Kink in January. And that's when we had low attendance because people were getting apprehensive about being in large groups. Right, right. And it hadn't quite really, it was like we had like maybe a couple cases in our geographical area in January. Right, right. It was like maybe one or two cases. And so things didn't really, I I would say February, March. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. So if we say February, it's been about 14-ish months currently. And it's likely going to be at least another three before we have our vaccines. So we're talking like, yeah, we'll be coming up on 18 months when we start having our first get-togethers with lots of people. Mm -hmm. Because we got to give ourselves those two weeks after we get our second shot. So like, yeah, even if we go as quickly as we can be sluts back to sluttiness, we're still looking at like 18 months, which is, it's a long time. Also, hot tub. You have a hot tub? That's yes, we got a hot tub. What city do you live in again? So happy. <laughs> You're in Vancouver. I'm in Langley. Oh now. my god, that's so exciting. I know we moved. I didn't. I didn't know. May I ask what type of dwelling you purchased? It's perfect for sex parties. Um, it's a rancher, so it's like all one level. You have a single detached. Yes, I do. That's why we moved to Langley. <laughs> my head just ex- so we can afford my that. head just exploded that you purchased. Oh, Victor, you don't even a know. single detached. I'm beyond envious. I'm going to correct you. We are renting. Oh, I thought you purchased, which I know is confusing because we have a hot tub. Honestly, I, it's yeah. that makes more sense because I was like, y'all are richer than I thought when you said a single detached. <laughs> I was like. Um, yeah there's no way it's no way right i looked at even trying to get a single detached in chilliwack like not even like a single detached is not in my current future and it is not in my future ever like i can't imagine ever having the funds to do that but hashtag vancouver problems you were saying about this glorious place you're renting with a hot tub yeah it's it's uh is it one two three it's technically a four bedroom with an office it's huge yeah um and it's all one level which i absolutely love with the kids um it's we're on 0.6 of an acre Mm -hmm. so like it's a big piece of land and that's i i i kind of hate how much i love living here (laughs) because i'm very like anti suburban right you know lifestyle but it's very much a suburban area we have a and but we have a huge yard, which the kids love. love. I cannot get enough of just tossing the kids in the yard when they get extra um, full of energy. I'm like, just go in the yep. yard. And also a hot tub is something that Brennan and I have been talking about for years and years. 
Um, and that's something that we've always wanted. And once we moved here and we made it really clear, everyone is all um, agreeing that we want to live here for a long time, at least, like a good, you know, 10 years if possible. It's like we want to live here long term. Um, our original goal was to have bought by the time our youngest was in kindergarten so that we could be stable. I didn't want to move around a lot once the kids were in school. But of course, like what you said, hashtag Vancouver problems, totally. it's not plausible at all. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were like, okay, I guess we'll try to find somewhere we can rent that is looking for long term. Mm -hmm. And the people that own this place are really, truly looking. They said they wanted long term. And I actually think that's why they let us get the hot tub because it was like, for them, it's like confirmed, like, okay, now we have to live here for a long time because mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it costs a lot of money to get like the electric and everything set up. Um, but yeah, we own the hot tub. We did buy it and we had, of course, we had to pay all the expenses to take care of it. And we signed some extra stuff just to make sure everyone was within agreement. But it's like a nice confirmation all around for us that like, okay, yes, we're going to be here for a while. Um, I love the hot tub. I'm so happy with it. I'm super envious. And That's kids love amazing. It. And it's going to be a nice way to get people to come to Langley. Totally. <laughs> like in my opinion, I'm like, yeah, I've got a hot tub. So you got to come to my totally. place. Um, my bedroom is is really really big. I've got a hard point in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. I'm I've got like a futon in here with my bed because I'm like, I've I've been all about okay. I want to be able to have lots of sex. Totally. <laughs> so I need I need grandparents to get vaccinated so kids can have the sleepovers yep. and I can have my own sleepovers. Yep. I'm excited. I'm very excited for you to see it. And also, you mentioned you're moving to Abbotsford. Uh -huh. That's quite a bit closer for me. My mom lives in Abbotsford, as I mentioned, and um, it's like less than 20 minutes away, which is kind of Yeah, nice. we should definitely hang out more. Yes. Yeah, and I should definitely use your hot tub. <laughs> Absolutely. I. That's another, yeah, I'm like, I want people over. I actually really, really, really enjoy hosting. Oh my God, and... I, I love hosting, but I also love being hosted. There's something about coming to like a chill event with lots of people and just like meeting more people and moving mm. out to the burbs. I've very much been worried that I like, Am I going to find kinky people? Am I going to find non-monogamous people? Right. Like I'm going from an urban area, you know, out to a place famous for like crystal meth and farms. Like that's <laughs> historically it. what it's been anyways, but it's being gentrified. Like it is gentrifying so fast right now. Like, well, queer and trans folks are statistically more likely to have a lower income. Mm. And, and POC folks mm -hmm. also more likely to have a lower income. Mm -hmm. So I think you're a lot more likely to end up in somewhere like the kind of more suburbs. Um, and, and I will say just that whenever I've presented outside of Vancouver, like more like in Langley mm -hmm. or in Maple Ridge or something like that, I get people that live in that local area that are so excited that something is someone is hosting something out there because people in the Valley... Um, for those that maybe aren't familiar with this geographical right. location, the suburbs are kind of referred to as like the valley outside of Vancouver. Right. Um, people that live in the valley, they are tired of having to go to Vancouver all the time for everything and make that drive. Right. So it's really refreshing for them to have events that are closer to them. And they'll laugh and be like, no, no, the Vancouver people can make the drive out here. We go out there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> they can make the drive. Yeah, that's funny. So I'm kind of hoping, yeah, that the hot tub helps entice and make people a little bit more willing to go for a little bit of a drive mm -hmm. to come out here uh actually yeah i gotta 
now, now that it is kind of coming soon, I should really start cleaning my house. <laughs> <laughs> Make it a little more presentable. I think that's a good idea. Just start little by little, get it going. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't wait. And yeah, there's actually, I kind of want to bring up touch starvation. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Touch starvation. Because I've, I've, well, yeah, I've just, I've seen a lot of people and, and online, et cetera, talk about touch starvation. And I've seen some backlash on that being like, well, you're just a slut. And part of me goes, well, for me, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I enjoy doing. And there's nothing wrong with engaging in those activities. I'm not doing it in a destructive way or an unhealthy way. I'm doing it in a way that is empowering and responsible and ethical. Mm-hmm. And, but on the other hand, being touch starved doesn't necessarily about sex. It doesn't have to necessarily be about sex. Totally. Um, I'm touch starved for hugs. I'm touch starved for even, especially lately, I've really noticed the impact of facial contact, like seeing someone's face. Yeah. I do a lot. I do a lot of texting and phone calls. And then every now and then I'll do a video chat. And I'm like, oh, I can't, but, oh, it's so nice to see your entire face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sexual too. I don't want to minimize um, how important sexual touch is, but that's so weird. I just want to smell someone. No, that's not weird. That makes sense. You know yeah, I mean? 100%. Like, I just want to smell someone and like touch them. It doesn't have to be necessarily a sexual way. I just, with anyone, I just want to get naked and have the other person be naked and just put my body up against yours and smell you. Is that... <laughs> is that- I want to say, is that fucked up? I know it's not. It sounds fucked up, but that's really all I want to no, do. No, right I get now. that. I, you know what I miss? It's the intimacy and community of the BDSM scene. It's like I know Ooh, there isn't being in those spaces. Yeah, so it's it's like I know that there isn't really a strong sense of community in the sense that like the BDSM community is like a each person for themselves kind of free for all, where like nobody in your quote-unquote community is like actually close community but out of that pool you find like we found in each other like individuals who are like your heart people and at at least i don't want to speak for you but that's that's how i feel um so 100 percent. yeah so for me what i miss is being with all my heart humans and and even peripherally associated people who i feel comfortable and safe around and just being naked with everybody and like Mm. it isn't sexual most of the time like for me anyways, like yeah. being in the, a BDSM space where everyone's naked is like, it's honestly like rarely sexual. It's it's only sexual. Like when people are doing a hot scene, then you're like, that's really hot. Right. But like, but it's about intimacy yeah, and, and connection. Yeah. And typically like, it's not that everyone's naked all the time. Like, I don't mean to make it sound like it's like this crazy free for all, but I I just mean like, I mean, <laughs> can I go? Like, I mean, no shame on that. That sounds amazing. Totally, totally. Um, but like my experience is everyone's in the very least they're in their underwear. And usually you've seen everybody naked that night right. um, or very recently, like in the last three months, everyone's seen everyone naked. And it's just like, so there's just no barrier. Right. Like I've had friends of mine who are, you know, women who are younger than me, um, start stripping down and I've been like, Oh gosh, like, and I've like turned around or like done something incredibly muggle, like incredibly vanilla. Um, and then they're like, (laughs) then they're like, you've seen me naked. And I'm like, yeah, but not in this context. (laughs) Like, 
when you when you've just been like you know destroyed with a flogger and like you just aftercared and you're gonna go home with your partner and get like brutally fucked within an inch of your life and like that's a good time for y'all that's really different like now we're like in like vanilla space like you're over at my house and like you know we're like trying to like eat and like watch a movie and like yeah like i'm trying to even think of why this person was getting naked but i just just remember being like they weren't even getting naked i think they were Mm -hmm. just changing and i got like it's like self-conscious i was like oh i don't want to be a creep and they're like you're not a creep it's fine that is adorable and honestly that doesn't surprise me that sounds like something you would do it's very sweet (laughs) thank you i'm i'm the opposite i'm the one dropping trowel (laughs) Dropping trowel is a great expression. <laughs> like I recently went to the doctor and it was I've been seeing my same doctor for oh, I don't even want to admit how many years now. But yeah, and and I was going for my, you know, pelvic exam and it was like I just he's like, I'll step out for a minute while you get undressed. And he turns around and I'm already undressed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, sorry. You and I know he doesn't care. He's a doctor. Again, a lot of healthcare workers. Like we've seen a lot of naked people. It doesn't really phase us, but there's still that like societal norm, I would say, of like discretion. Mm -hmm. And of course, being respectful when it comes to like, and yeah, as a nurse, I've seen a lot of people naked, but I would still say, oh, you know, I'll leave the room while you, while you get undressed. And I was like, yeah, turn around. <laughs> I'm already undressed. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, oh, uh, I'm sorry. He's like, no, I've seen it all. I just always forget that you're so chill with this. <laughs> it's like, normally I have to be so gentle. And I'm all like, yeah, I'm on the table. Get the lamp. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a shit. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like equivalent things I've said to doctors. I, you know, I'm pretty liberal about just like bringing up BDSM Um but only when it's relevant. Mm. Like, I'm not going to, like, try to freak out my medical practitioner to make some point. But at the same time, it's like, if we're talking about a pain scale and I say it's a 7 out of 10 for me and mm. the medical practitioner doesn't look particularly impressed, I'm like, you don't understand what a 7 means for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know what? It's frustrating because in nursing school, like, we were taught that pain is definitely relative. Yeah. And legally, pain is to be considered whatever the person says it right. is. Right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, I can completely 100% relate, um, because if I, as a patient, which I have to say, healthcare workers make really horrible patients, I admit (laughs) that I'm one of them, but if I'm telling you like, oh, Hey, by the way, I am actually in some pain. I would like something for it. That's almost exactly how I say it. And Brandon's been with me and the staff will be like, okay. Cause the way I say it doesn't seem like I'm particularly, um, you know, in pain, I, I sound relaxed. I sound very matter of fact. I'm like, hey, this actually hurts. I would really like something, please, for the right. pain. And they're like, um, are you sure you need that? And Brandon's like, if she's telling you she's in pain, she's in a lot of pain. <laughs> yeah. If I'm complaining about it and I'm asking for alleviation, my pain is is probably quite high. Yep. Um. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where personality-wise, cultural-wise, we all different have different responses to pain totally and ways of expressing it so it does become really complicated for healthcare workers but yeah um i see that and i feel like that's a very common thing for kink actually and i will say yeah bringing it up with healthcare workers is a whole topic yeah 
I remember being pregnant for the first time and asking my midwife about what activities were safer and which are ones I should avoid in terms of sex and BDSM. Right. And she's like, I have no idea. And I'm also making an assumption. So she, she. It was so sweet. Yeah, she mm-hmm. um, was, I was really actually quite impressed really? with her professionalism and openness because she had said, you know what? I don't know, but I promise you I'm going to do the research and I will do my best to have more answers for you next That's time. That's fantastic. And that's exactly what she did. And when she came back, she had a ton of knowledge and and advice. You know, she had had clearly done the work to do the research. And her advice to me, as she said, she learned what a masochist was and that kind of thing. And she said, um, I feel like with your experience in masochism, I'm, I think you will have a good time processing pain when it comes to childbirth and labor because you have that experience and knowledge on how to process pain what worries me is the moment you realize you can't safe word right yeah because that's something that you're normally used to being in control right. of and that is something that also people that aren't kinky there's a moment yeah. in, in childbirth that's really common where it's like once you realize you can't back out it can be very overwhelming and make you feel trapped and then you might have a, a moment of panic that a lot of people in um the birthing world are really really accustomed to yeah. and then once you get past that moment just like in the kink context once you get past that moment of of surrender yeah where you're tr- not trying to control the pain, but you kind of surrender to the sensation uh, that things go really, really well. And that's usually pretty close to when you actually have the baby. Sure. That's, that's good to hear. <laughs> and yeah, it's, oh, what was the book? I don't remember what book it was. It was about, it was like a birthing book about, it was for specifically, I think, geared towards the partner of the, the birthing person. Mm-hmm that my midwife gave me and she was like it's really old it's from the 70s but it's a classic and yeah some of the things are outdated but I still recommend you read it because it's got a lot of good stuff and I remember Brandon and I laughing so many times reading it together because it was there were so many parallelisms between the birthing world and the kink world sure um like you're you're familiar with subspace or top space or or whatever they call that uh oh what do they call it they had a word for it. Labor land. <laughs> That's great. The way they described it, they're like, oh, yeah, all the hormones and the endorphins. They talk about the oxytocin and the dopamine. And and they said, oh, there was even a chapter, how to deal with your partner when they're in labor land. Right. And it was, you know, talking about how to communicate. You don't ask them if they want some water. You hold water to them. And if they take it. Right. You know, then they'll drink it. If they don't want it, then they won't take it. It was very much like. It was so paralleled with kink that Brian and I spent the entire time laughing our asses That's off. so cool. It was really, really cool. I wish I remembered the name of the book. And I did find my experience in kink actually helped me with processing and, and all of that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I, you know what? Same with tattooing. Yeah. I've been getting tattooed by one particular person for years now. And when we first met... Our experience, I think, kind of blew his mind um, in the sense that I, on our first session, I fell asleep. When he was tattooing me, I fell asleep. That's hilarious. He was, <laughs> he was so confused. And we ended up talking about it. I said, well, I just, I relax and I kind of go into my own zone and I feel floaty and it's actually a really pleasant experience for me. And sometimes I get so relaxed that I sleep. <laughs> 
And he was just so baffled. He's like, I get these big, beefy, bearded, you know, tough-looking guys that want to break every, you know, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you're falling asleep. And he, he said, you know, of course, it's a reminder not to, you know, not to judge a book by its cover, yeah. of course. Because, you know, at the time I was this little, young, you know, young, tiny little adult. Sure. With that wants, you know, fairy tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm over here and he's, you know, tattooing me for like five hours at a time and I don't need a break and I'm falling asleep. <laughs> five hours. That is that is an ordeal for some people. Like that is a lot of stamina to do five hours. It is it's exhausting, honestly, but that, for over the years that's kind of how we've done it is because I prefer to get as much done as possible i'd rather have a longer session yeah. than go in for an hour or two more frequently so it would be like the day his work day would be just me and it would it would be until he maybe didn't like his wrist got sore that's awesome like if he got tired. i love how you're like if i get tired i'll just sleep yeah <laughs> yeah i would i would often just drift off and then i'd wake up and we chat some more and then i drift off <laughs> he's used to it now uh and it's yeah until one of us decide we don't want to go anymore right and we get a lot done in one day, mm-hmm. but anyways, uh, yeah, he, we've learned a lot about, uh, we've talked a lot about pain processing because someone like a tattoo artist is going to have a lot of experience, um, trying to, I don't want to say cater to, but look after and be aware of someone under his care that is going through a lot of, a lot of mm-hmm. pain. So we've had a lot of really interesting talks. Um, did you want to end it there? Yeah. Why don't we kind of close out with uh who you are and what you do oh yes that's right um we're making this effort slash you have to promote I have yourself to promote myself. I will push okay you. okay i'm intimate victor and you can find me at intimate victor <laughs> on twitter or instagram and on facebook slash intimate victor and you can find me on patreon if you want to contribute as little as the cost of coffee a month to say thank you victor please keep making content um, maybe not in exactly that voice, um, but you can find me at patreon.com forward slash exactly Victor Salmon. <laughs> You're going to do it in exactly that voice. Thank you, Victor. I will. I'm going to go to your Patreon <laughs> and then I'll send you a little message. I appreciate it. Thank you, Victor. Of course. Got to support each other, right? Yeah, that's how I feel too. Well, I mean. We all got it, especially th- in these times. I think I have right? all of your books. Did you release a third book yet? No, I <laughs> I initially uh, went into COVID times thinking, oh, this will be a good opportunity for my, me to write. That's and okay. I don't think I've written anything. Since. That's okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a break. You should you should write. I should probably get back into it. You should writing, totally write. Yes. I think you're a really fun, you have a really fun style with how you write. And I think talking about co-parenting oh, and non-monogamy, I think you have. Um, they mm-hmm. say... When it comes to holding a reader's interest, if you have genuinely interesting content, you can be a bad storyteller and still the content mm-hmm. will be interesting that people will will gravitate towards it. And I think you have, you're an interesting storyteller right. and you have interesting content. So I, I think you should write about co-parenting personally. <laughs> I was going to say I have interesting content, but I'm a bad writer. So okay. <laughs> no, that is not what I was saying. That's what editors are for. <laughs> that, that is what editors are for. They. I'm glad I have a good editor. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you, Taylor, my wife. She's a great editor. Oh, was she really? I didn't realize. I didn't <laughs> yeah, realize that she yeah, was the one who's editing your books. Uh, 
Yeah, and I mean, like, not as, you know, like, a favor. Like, I do pay her for her sure. work. She has edited other pieces before. Yeah, she, she went to school for uh, for lit, for literature. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that is something she does. Yeah, I know, really cool, Good to right? know. And she knows me really well, so they're, she would tell me, you know, while reading some of my work and editing my work, she's like, I can hear you say I can these. tell what yeah. you were trying to say only because I know you sure. so I'm gonna like I can hear you saying this so I'm just gonna fix it because I know what you were trying to say <laughs> thank you wife it's legit uh but yes editors always always your best Definitely. friend uh but yeah I, I I should I should get back into writing because I do enjoy writing um I was basically planning my initial plan was to do three books um I did my one of my stripper memoirs mm-hmm. and then I did one on uh, my, my book called polyglamorous and my next kind of book project that I've I've basically stopped working on during COVID mm-hmm. uh, is is essentially about kink. Oh, neat! I'm gonna be super interested to read it when it comes out. Yay! Thank you. I always appreciate your support. And well, it's um, like you said, and your friendship, of, of course. course. Well, it's like you said, we of, of course. course we appreciate each other's friendship. Uh, we've been friends for far too long to not appreciate each other's friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for folks that are interested, um, you can check out any of my work with sex education, sex and relationship coaching. I do offer a free uh, 20 minute phone consultation. And I also host Sex with Robin on BFM 109.6. All of that information you can find on my website, sexwithrobin.com, or any of my socials. You can find me at Sex with Robin with an I. Hooray! <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for having me, Victor. Thanks for, thanks for being on the show. You. I like always forget we're recording and feel like we're just chilling. Yeah, which is that's ideal. Thing. That's what I like about podcasts, anyways. So, how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at Facebook.com/slash/IntimateVictor. You can tweet me at IntimateVictor. You can follow me on Instagram at IntimateVictor. Pretty easy, right? If you can spare the cost of a cup of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a good review anywhere online, especially iTunes. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI saxophonist. This closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with intimate interactions. Be well. <laughs>